0: Welcome to the Triumphal Feast podcast, a ministry of Elder Bryce Lowrance speaking to you from the pulpit of Mount Perrin Primitive Baptist Church in Social Circle, Georgia.
1: The conscience and logic of every single human being says if something exists, something had to put it there.
0: Mount Perrin Primitive Baptist Church meets regularly two times a week. Our regular worship service is on Sunday at 10:30 a.m. Eastern, and our Wednesday evening Bible study is at 7 pm. Eastern. If you would like to attend in person, we are located at 3749, Mount Perrin Church Road, Social Circle, Georgia, 30025. For more information about these services online, or Mount Perrin Primitive Baptist Church, please visit our website at mppbc.com. Today we will hear the conclusion of the message, The Heavens Declare,
1: from Psalm 19. Please turn in your Bibles to Psalm 19, and we'll begin in verse 2 after the following hymn.
2: I the street i day
1: and night unto night. That means, you know, church is an hour and a half long. And so we can teach from the Word of God and we need to and we need to be reading more often than that but what David tells us is there is a never ending, never stopping, never ceasing testimony of the glory of God going on all of the time and we ignore it. (laughs) We don't look up. How many of you love the beauty of a sunset? Until I moved to Georgia, I loved the beauty of sunsets. I didn't like sunrises, mainly because I was teaching kids before the sun came up many times, and I I just thought that was wrong. (laughs) But I love the beauty of a sunrise. Here's something for you to think about, folks. We are watching the beauty of a sunset. And the beauty of a sunrise on an earth that is tainted by sin. Can we even begin to imagine what it was like there in the garden before the fall, the glory of it. If it's this beautiful now. God pronounced it good. (laughs) That tells me it was good. Their line... "...is gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world, in them hath he set a tabernacle..." Uh, I skipped a verse. "...there is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. "...their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world, in them hath he set a tabernacle for the Son..." "...which is as a bridegroom." Coming out of his chamber and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race, his going forth is from the end of heaven and his circuit unto the ends of it, and there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. There is no speech nor language, for their voice is not heard. A person doesn't have to understand English to see, wow, there's a creator. You don't have to understand whatever language to be amazed at the handiwork of God. You have to be a fool to not believe it. Brother Bryce, that's awfully strong language. I think preachers need to use more Bible language like that. The Bible calls them a fool. God calls them a fool. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. You know why he's a fool? Let me show you. Keep your finger there in Psalm 19. Turn the me over to Romans chapter one. Romans chapter one. <clears throat> I'll start in verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Now, let me make sure you understand what it means to hold the truth in unrighteousness. That is not that they're grabbing hold of it and they're holding it as something precious. They're holding back the truth. They are seeking to suppress the truth the truth, and their unrighteousness. What's happening here in Romans chapter 1 is a description of every single human being without the grace of God. This is a description of the total depravity of man. And so without the grace of God, this is what the natural man does. He wants to hold back or suppress the truth so that he can live an unrighteous life. But the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against that. Why? Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. There is something in man. Now, David's been talking about what man can see from the outside. But Paul declares that there is something in every single human being that's saying the same thing. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are what? Without excuse. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. Why does God call him a fool? Because he looks like one. Because here's what happens when we don't believe in the creator God. The conscience and logic of every single human being says, if something exists, something had to put it there. If you were to walk out um, here today and you found a computer sitting out in the parking lot. Are you going to think, wow, that just spontaneously appeared over six million years? Are you going to think, no, there's a designer that left that there for me to find. Let me state that again. (laughs) There's not just a designer. There's a designer, a creator, that left it there for us to find. But the fool has said, no. It just happened. And here's why he's a fool. His own logic tells him there's a creator. But with his mouth he says there's not a creator. And so he looks like somebody in an insane asylum arguing with himself on the inside. The fool has said in his heart, we may not see it on the outside, but in that man's heart, he's arguing with himself. And what do you do with people that argue with themselves all the time? You institutionalize them. Because they're mad. (laughs) They've lost their minds. Paul declares to us that God put it in them. There are two possibilities either God is eternal or matter is eternal. And when they made the declaration that matter can neither be created nor destroyed, they left out something that matter or energy can neither be created nor destroyed because we can blow stuff up and it's transferred into energy. But all of it was a denial of a creator, and so they say stuff has always been there. Think about that. If you want to stay awake at night, think about that. It makes no sense whatsoever that something has always been there. I gave you the example of that design of a computer. Didn't just appear, hasn't always been there. There has to be an origin of it. So let me give you a little story to help you out with that. There was, there are scientists that in the laboratory with the right amount of electricity and the right atmospheric pressure have taken inanimate soil, supercharged it, and made a, a, a living goo. And so they say, we understand the origins of life because we had the proper atmosphere, we had the proper circumstances, just the right charge, just the right elements, and we have created life. Two stories I wanna to put to you with that. First one's gross. I'm just gonna tell you ahead of time, it's gross. If that's true, then after lunch, we can take a blender and go find a frog, put the frog in the blender, blend him up, and everything that is needed to be a frog is in that blender. If we just put enough electricity in there, it'll become a frog again. Anybody believe that's going to happen? No, good. That means I don't have to blend up a frog. (laughs) But the other account is this. Science has basically said we can challenge God. So somebody took the logic of that and wrote this story. The scientist says, I've found the way to create life and wants to challenge God. And so they come together. And God says, "Okay, let's both create life. The man steps over to the side and gets a shovel full of dirt. And God says, no, create your own dirt. Where'd that come from? God made the dirt. And you know what? The Bible confirms we came out of dirt (laughs) and that we're going back to dirt. That doesn't mean it's not true. What's funny is the scientist says, well, that's just some kind of mythology that God made man from dirt. But what do they try all the time but to make life from dirt? (laughs) They know within themselves that's the only way that it can happen. That just... That just baffles my mind that they can't see the illogic in the way. Pray for them. And I've learned my Georgia term. Bless their hearts. (laughs) But don't let them influence your thinking. Because thou hast created all things. And all things were created by him and for him. And oh, by the way, if you read the Colossian letter, that's Jesus Christ that did that. This testimony is everywhere. There's not a language that doesn't understand that. If you look at human anthropology, if you look at how um, societies rose and declined, you are going to find up until modern science, decided that there was no God. Every single culture believed in some kind of creator God. Now, David is going to, we probably won't get to it this morning, but David is going to deal with the fact that God didn't intend for us to just use the light of nature. As a matter of fact, David says the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. David only had the five books of the law, maybe a little bit of poetry in his own writings. And he thought it was enough to understand some more detail about God. God winked at the pagan religion of the Creator Spirit and things like that. Now we have a more sure word of prophecy, the entire Bible, that tells us how it is done. And so we don't have to just wonder. But here's the thing I don't think we wonder enough. There's two different kinds of wonder. I wonder how he did that. And then there's, oh, wow, he did that. (laughs) We've got the Bible to tell us that. But that sense of awe needs to come back. It needs to be that we look up and we're speechless. When I was in college... We took several trips with the university choir, and one of them, we took out to California, and we did a short stop in the Grand Canyon. Didn't actually go in, just went over to the edge, didn't have time, Uh, I regret that we didn't have the time. But at that time, I mean, my, my degree was in composition, so I was composing music all of the time. And so Dr. Davis, our director, came up to me as I'm standing there on the edge of the Grand Canyon, And he said, Bryce, what music has come into your mind? And I said, complete silence. I said, I can't match that. I was just in awe. A few years later, when I took that trip out to California, I was on an airplane. And I got to look at the same Grand Canyon from the air. And you know what it looked like to me? We We were high enough up where I could see a good portion of it. And it looked just like things when I was on the beach as a kid, and I'd take water and pour it, and the streams would run out. I was more convinced of the noadic flood than I'd ever been in my life. I was pretty convinced before that point, but when I saw it from the air where I could get a big view of it, it didn't look any different. Running water, just a lot of it. It There's a big canyon. Amazing. This testimony goes all of the time. There is no language barrier. And there's not a single place on earth that the sun does not affect it with its heat. Now, people say, well, it, it's dark sometimes 23 hours a day on, on the poles. I didn't say anything about light and dark, I said about heat. The sun's heat reaches all portions of the earth, regardless of the tilt. Because here's a scientific thing for you. It's called freeze or fry. If the placement of our earth, our planet, was just a little bit further away, we would freeze. So, Brother Bryce, it's not a perfect circle. No, it's not. And let me tell you something. The path of our planet around the sun doesn't have anything to do with the heat or the coldness that we feel. It's the tilt of the earth and what's pointed close to the sun. But move us off a degree. Make it take 370 days instead of 365 days to go around the earth, and we're all freezing to death. No matter how it's tilted. It's like somebody building a campfire 100 yards away. Don't do you any good. Move us a few degrees closer, and we fry. And all of the discoveries that we've had out there. And to put it in Star Trek terms, there have been no more class M planets found. (laughs) Meaning that it could sustain life because it was placed so perfectly like that. And even if they do, does that disprove God? No. Let me tell you something else about God intending for us that to, to not only recognize that He is the designer, but to discover more about Him. Our moon. That's an amazing thing. I don't know the exact mathematical calculations, so I'm going to sum it up for you this way. The size of our moon is the exact proportion needed from the distance of earth to the sun, that when it gets in between, we have what's called what? Solar eclipse. I mean, a lunar eclipse. Why did God do that? Because we have found so many more things <laughs> when we blocked out the sun a little bit. Move it a degree away or a degree closer, we don't have that. Folks, creation is designed for us to discover God. His fingerprints are everywhere. He made it. And he wants us to discover it. Why else would the Bible use so many earthly examples for us to understand a principle of God? Because he's the designer. In music there were assignments that we would have in our music history courses where they would either play, this will show you my age, they'd either play a record for us, didn't have CDs yet, play a record for us, or they would show us a musical score without the name of the composer. And we would have to write a paper stating who we thought the composer was and the reasons why. How we did that is we had to know a lot about a lot of composers and what they liked to do. We looked for their fingerprints. And so when we'd hear the music, or we'd see the score, we that's Mozart, or that's Bach, because I see his fingerprints in it. Folks, we need to get that way about Earth. <laughs> we need to get that way about the moon and the stars and the sun. Because it's amazing. And what kind of intelligence and glorious wisdom does it take to make those things? And the variety of them. That's what's glorious. You know, we sit and even an artist to draw a picture of something may come up with a pretty good variety of different things in the scene, but it never matches the variety of the different snowflakes (coughs) or the placement and pictures of the universe. Now they may classify galaxies as certain types, but they don't look exactly the same. You know, there, there are things about that we are only beginning to discover. That there are galaxies that are out there that, well, it's a little bit off. You know why it's a little bit off? So that we could see it. Because if we got the plain view of it, It wouldn't exist. So God tilted it and put us just in the right place where we could find it and learn more about His glory. You get the idea of what I'm trying to tell you? We need to slow down. We need to understand more about God because there is security in recognizing that kind of power. So Brother Bryce, that that kind of power is scary. It ought to scare some folks. But to the believer, when we recognize that kind of power, and then we are like David is, moreover, by them, and this is the word of God, "Is thy servant warned, David talking about creation and about the word of God showing us who we are in comparison to this great God and we're not destroyed. We're not squished like an ant all of the time. I am the Lord thy God. I change not. Therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. That creator God is a sustainer. And to close out, let me add a little bit of something to that. That creator God created what we are doing right now. He promised it for several thousand years before Christ came. But many of the prophecies of the coming of Christ included a prophecy of the Gentile church. And so God created the church. For the same reason He created us. To glorify Him. And God sustains His church. He's promised that it will be here until He returns. Let us glory in God's creation of that in the place where He made it. You know, primitive Baptists as a people... This is gonna kind of sound strange to you, but but hang on with me for a second. The clearest proof that I have that what primitive Baptists believe and practice is the right thing is this. We don't have a central office telling everybody what they ought to teach. And we have spent generations trying to kill off one another and we're still here. (laughs) God has sustained us. We need to repent of that garbage And start recognizing what a precious, precious gift we have been given, and that it was given to us to share, to help others have peace, to help others have an understanding, like David came to in the end of this psalm, that Jehovah, the Lord, He is our sustainer, He is our redeemer. It's not God and something else. It's God and God alone. and Christ alone, my hope is found. We really believe that. You know, I've read a lot about the guy that wrote those words, and I don't know if he really believes it. I think, I think when he wrote that song, he did. But other times, some of the things he says, his, his brain gets a little mixed up into some theistic evolution and salvation evolution. But when he wrote that song, he understood that the only hope we have is in Christ. So, brethren, we have been blessed with the evidence of nature. part we didn't get to in this song, we've been blessed with the Word of God that is a thorough furnisher to everything that we need. We don't need anything else to learn about God than those two testimonies. We don't need the commentaries. We certainly don't need YouTube. We don't need the Internet. We don't need colleges. We've got creation, and we've got the Word of God. We just need to look at them both. And the more we look, the more we're going to want to glorify God if we're truly looking at it for the right reasons. And we've been given the most precious place on earth to learn how to do that. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been given Mount Perrin. We need to be thankful for that. Do you thank the Lord for your specific home church? You ought to. And thank Him in words and in deed. But most of all, glorify Him. Don't just be amazed at what He did. Don't worship the creature more than the Creator Don't worship church. Worship God in church. And the focus to be what a glorious design. It's so simple. Preach, pray, sing. What a glorious design. There's absolutely nothing to distract us from the glory of God. There's nothing to take our minds away and our focus on Jesus Christ. So I've got some homework for you. I've given you three areas where you can learn how to glorify God more. Look up. Look in here. And come here. Let's all do a little bit more, or a lot more, of all three. May the Lord bless you all is my prayer.
0: hope this edition of triumphal feast has been a blessing to you be sure to subscribe to our podcast and visit our website at mppbc.com for further resources including our devotional blog little brother's thoughts on the bible until next time may the lord richly bless you all is our prayer